0: This involves presented by house enterprise and brought to you by manscaped go to manscaped.com slash house and get 20 percent off your order and free international shipping that's across the globe free shipping on manscape products i'm jake and that's will um what a hell of a couple of weeks it's been for us um how how was dubai i know we talked about it but give us the official review uh your pictures were sick everything you did looked sick uh what's the review of the middle east
1: Dubai one of a one of a kind of experience I'll tell you that um very hot 100 degrees it's an interesting city because I'm a big history guy and because it's so new there's no history if that makes sense like it's it's very I mean it's very I wouldn't say touristy is the word but ritzy ditzy a lot of shopping there was a lot of cool architecture like in the buildings and again it's all new style I mean you have like apartments that are stacked up like uneven with each other and buildings with holes in the middle and everything is just very um built up and glitz and glam but a lot of money there a lot of oil money and it's very present but definitely um definitely an experience I mean if everyone if anyone gets the chance to go out there I would I don't know if I'd go back yeah if,
0: that was my next question to you yeah. it's like do you go back again what else is there for you to do basically
1: I mean I could have done more of like the like the mosques and stuff um didn't really have time to like squeeze that and I saw them like from the outskirts but be able to visit um I mean I, I got to go to the safari I got to go to the Burj Khalifa on top I was in a very beachy resort area, so did a lot of outdoor stuff. Got to go on a boat ride throughout the harbor. I mean, there wasn't. I did what I wanted to do, um, and yeah, I mean, it was just for fourteen hours for you know less than a week. It was it was a lot, but if I did it again, if I did it again, I would definitely I would make that a layover somewhere. So whether it's, I mean. I so mean, like if China, go to Asia, like yeah, Africa, I was like China's place. not really on my list at the moment. But yeah. you know, maybe if I did the reverse way and flew into Dubai for 48 hours, then Australia, that could work, but that's still a long, that's a long trip.
0: Yeah. Is you didn't get to go on those ATVs like everyone does, did you?
1: Yeah. Oh, oh yes,
0: yeah, got it.
1: Yeah, in the safari. So that's it was, cool. I mean, the desert was the desert was pretty cool. But again though, like it was it was it was becoming very like not touristy, but it's like okay, like everything is everything is organized and set up and you know, pay for your picture kind of thing.
0: So what like what is it, everything's probably expensive, right? Like what's a beer cost?
1: No, I mean, well, because it's a um, you know, an Arabic country and they they follow uh um Islam, like you can't really drink in many places. Um, and the beers that I got were all either included at the hotel or included on my package with the Burj Khalifa. Mm-hmm. So, but if you just put it in perspective, I went to McDonald's because I wanted to try the McArab, uh, no free ads for McDonald's, but you know, Wait, it was, the it was a
0: McArab.
1: it's like literally, um, a Pita,
0: like a gyro. Oh, I just looked it up. That's uh, all right, well, review the McDonald's. Mac- yeah. yeah, I Yeah, I
1: would give that, like, a 9.2 out of 10. That was, yeah, that one, like, it was kind of like, it was kind of like the Middle Eastern version of a snack wrap. <laughs> and, like, I love the snack. Like, the snack wrap used to be my jam. But I got that, a bottle of water, and a Coke for, like, $4. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. And, like, I mean... Everything else in general, like the food wasn't necessarily, like you could get a meal with like a drink for like 15 bucks. Okay. One perspective that I thought was crazy because it's an oil country, like my taxi from the airport to the hotel, which was about like 25 minutes away was like 17 US dollars.
0: Oh, damn. Yeah. And you'd be paying like probably double that at least in the US.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well,
0: yeah
1: so overall good experience very hot but more photos to come on houseenterprise.com slash the blog slash the photos
0: photo blog (laughs) but how was portland on your end it was very good uh rained a little bit but it was kind of like a lull like four o'clock uh you know head back to the hotel chill a little bit wait for dinner um Portland. All right. Here's my official stance on Portland. It was fun. I'd go back. I think my next trip would like to do a full beer tour. Yeah. Um, to, yeah. You can spend at least three full days hopping breweries in Portland. Um, so I think that, but also I think it's just day trip material for me now. Like I don't, unless I'm doing a beer tour, I think I'm cool with waking up early, driving in. Um, That's and, a long day trip. It is, but I mean, there's, I think that's all you need. That's a long, long day trip. I, I do agree. It depends on what you're doing too. So, all right, there's, there's three scenarios to go to Portland. Number one, you do a beer tour for a couple of days. Number two, you do a day trip. You know, you shop around a little bit. You get a, a Portland Lobster Company uh, lobster roll, which by the way, I enjoyed. Here's my take on lobster rolls. Um, not enough bang for your buck. I'm just going to say it. They never are. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's like that. Yeah. They never are. It's the lobster was good. It was, you know, I would have it again, but like for $26, um, it's a toasted bun with lobster and mayo, you know, like you can, I would say you can make that for cheaper, but you probably can't. So, um, Overall good, you know, so that, that was good. Um, it, but the other way you can do Portland is if you like, you know, you, you go to the beach for a couple of days and you make Portland one of your days up there. You know, yeah. I, I think it's not a place that I would go back and just stay for three days and just stay in Portland. Um, got to go to the lighthouse, which is cool. A lot of crazy pictures up there, but that's a good transition into beer. Um, Portland, Maine, I, ugh, Do we declare this the craft beer capital of New England? Because it's close.
1: Um, I think if we had the conversation five years ago, 100%. Yeah. But but now now I feel like the gap has has, um, closed very quickly. And again, I'm not even being biased, but you can start pointing to like Rhode Island because of like size as well. Like not even just Providence. I'm saying Rhode Island because everything is only like 20 to 30 minutes away that yeah. it would still be equidistant but i mean portland has all of them main beer company bissell brothers uh, uh
0: what's the austin word? tree brewery is a big one uh orno uh lone pine
1: no i'm thinking um, of uh with shipwreck shipyard 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 yeah
0: shipyard's there yep yeah um allagash too downtown allagash. That's a very big one. Allagash white, nothing better than a a crisp Belgian wheat uh, on a hot day. Yeah, there's – you make a good point. Maybe five years ago, yes. I think Providence is certainly – or Rhode Island is very competitive with Portland at this point. Um, There's even some Massachusetts markets that, you know, will compete with Portland. But I still think that's like – when you look at craft beer in New England, maybe it's the the OG for sure. Um, Yeah, there's still – doing some really cool stuff i think lone pines come out with a bunch of crazy stuff my favorite though main beer company i know you've reviewed main beer company mm-hmm. we've talked about this a lot um i can't remember if you've been to the actual place though if you've been I there? Have, yeah so very interesting it kind of gave me like vibes of what i thought treehouse in the cape would be um and again i've never been to treehouse in the cape but it's got the white and black colors, very basic, the, the really bright wood finishes everywhere. This is probably the coolest tap room I've had a beer in this year. Um, yeah, I got a flight, um, I got dinner. Everybody's got to have dinner at Main Beer Company, the beer, not the actual meal. Um, that That's easy at 425, but that, that's for another day. Um, I want to review Black Barn Program number 32 by Main Beer Company, though. That was a really interesting one. Um, they do this Black Barn program thing. I'm not really sure where it comes from. I think it's literally a barn called Black Barn that's nearby, but um, it was a wheat beer. And, and usually you go to main beer company or the craft for the IPAs, right? It's, you want to drink an IPA in Portland, totally get it. But the, this wheat beer was really good. Um, they used very bright hops. They had a little bit of citra. Um, they took... A bunch of different local malts from different farms. I'm reading it now. Um, Very light. It's clear beer. You could see through it basically. Um, I got a lot of fruity aromas from it. A little bit of black pepper behind it too. And it was a kind of a. I don't necessarily like my wheat beer sweet, but you know, there's something missing without like a a tint of sweetness, right? So I'm giving this a 3.75, which I thought excelled for a wheat beer. Um, we talked about this a few weeks ago wheat beers and lagers very tough for them to get over a three-five on our scale this rose to the occasion I thought it, then it did some I wish I had a full pint of this if I had more time I would have had a full pint of black barn program number 32 that's a review uh, you gotta check out made beer company the coolest tap room I've been in in 2022 um, you could spend the full day in Freeport and head to made beer company there's a lot of cool stuff up there um and i think if we go on a beer tour up there that'll be a very big stop yeah we'll have to see if there's any beer festivals try to get in for that but
1: portland um yeah portland's a i yeah i mean it's i've been thinking about it when you were talking i'm like is it still probably considered the capital i would yeah but i just don't think it's like the definitive capital like no, five years ago
0: we yeah. go to portland for craft beer
1: anymore. yeah but if like five years ago you asked everyone it's like oh where's the best beer in uh new england like undoubtedly everyone would say portland and treehouse where there's it would be like portland's the city treehouse obviously not in portland but is the number one in new england that's not definitive anymore it's still probably be majority or favorite but it's nowhere near you know the heavy favorite or that you know that definitive and that much of a statement
0: Right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But let's uh, let's let's kick it over to you. What's on tap for you?
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, do a quick one. Not really a craft beer, but Kingfisher Premier Lager from United Breweries. I think it's an Indian, uh an Indian beer itself. Uh, 3.25, not good at all, but bump it up for uh it. It's over a three just because I had it at the world's tallest tower and, you know, the elevation definitely um, had me feeling nice. But it's an average lager. I was going to do a Heineken, but I was like, what's the most local or like beer I can get the closest from this side of the world. And it was that, um, yeah, just to say like, I had it all the way at the top, 155 stories up was, uh, pretty insane, but we'll get some more true craft beer next week and the week after.
0: Oh, you have to review that though. I think we should do an episode, like maybe we Try to get our hands on Presidente. Um, Presidente, yeah. That was, I think, the worst beer I've ever had. Yeah, um, we yeah we should find the worst beers that we've ever had and review them.
1: I How mean, I-, I did. I uh, the picture always comes up, and I posted it on the the podcast story a year or two ago. But in Spain, they used to like, and most places in Europe, you can sell the beer. They sell the beer individually, so it's like we got we bought the people that I lived with bought every single uh Spanish beer and we like ranked them. <laughs> That's pretty and that good. was like and that was like early on into my untapped too. So it's like you have to go all the way back in the beginning, but it was like um what were the ones? There was like uh San Miguel, Estrella um cruz campos i mean they're all just like god cruz same, campo yeah the same lager
0: beers but it just sounds like a hangover cruz Campo. oh yeah I, I was i remember drinking like at clubs probably with you like cruz campo and uh and desperados at night too. desperados yeah i like the i like desperados that's that's Even uh there. my hot take is that i i think they sucked
2: really um,
0: I just didn't like the two flavors of it was like tequila beer, basically, I right? Mean, it it's is, like it is tequila beer, yeah. I just don't know that those mesh. Like the closest yeah. I'd get to a tequila beer is what we had last week, which was that sea salt lager with lime. Mm-hmm. That's the closest I want to be getting to that kind of shit. Yeah. I don't know. We should... That would be fun. If there's anyone... We've got to find a place that sells international beers like that, though. Like, very low-quality, run-of-the-mill international beers. Someone's got to. It's got to be near us, right? Like, there's got to be somewhere in New England that does it, or New York or something. I feel like they have to. So, if you're listening to this, and you know an international beer place, please hit us up, and we might have to do, like, a shitty international (laughs) beer review. Um, and And then some good ones, more importantly. But um very cool uh that's kingfisher premium locker from united parades <laughs> and um, black barn program number 32 from Maine beer co um but we'll talk about business next week there's just like this is one the week where we can just bite it off uh, all of it but we like don't have time to discuss how bad inflation is right now and, oh yeah you
1: know, i mean everything just
0: sucks uh, it's not good so stocks, we'll, stocks down everything's yeah uh, I guess real quick, Elon's, you know, he's, he's dragging his thing on, uh, he's trying to prove, or he's saying that um, everything on Twitter is spam, basically. Twitter only says 5% of their accounts are spam. hold deals on hold until then, we'll probably talk about that more next week. Uh, that's just not good.
2: Not I, good. I don't
0: know. I've got a bad feeling about that. Um, more importantly, let's go to our guest uh, this week, Maury Hirsch Gordon from WPRI. Um, I know a few weeks ago, even the small States guys were like, dude, gotta get Maury Hirsch Gordon on. Um, so maybe, maybe that's in the future for Maury, um, sports director at WPRI. That's channel 12 in most Rhode Island markets. You probably know him from there. Uh, really good dude. Spent a lot of time with us breaking down the NBA finals. Maury's covered the Celtics, uh, all year, um, Really great stuff. This is going to be a weird series. We break it all down with Maury, and uh, let's dive into it. Here's our NBA Finals preview with Maury Hirschgordon. All right, everybody.
1: With us this week, we have a local new celebrity, a golfer, uh, a basketball man, but a friend of the program, Maury Hirschgordon, the WPRI sports director. He's also the host of PC Hoops with Coach Cooley on WPRI. We'll start with some Celtics first, then we'll get into some PC basketball, but Maury Hirschgordon joins the show this morning. Uh, First and foremost, Maury, welcome to the show, and uh, how's everything going?
2: Yeah, Will, Jake, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, You know, everything's great. Right now, we just flipped the page to June, and the Celtics are still playing hoops, and as you guys noted, you know, I'm a hoops junkie, much like you guys. So, uh, can't complain with an extended run here into the month of June, and you know, that only means after the run, you know, we'll have four or five weeks off. And before you know it, we'll be in Foxborough for Patriot season. So uh, that's, that's the great thing about local news is you get to cover a broad range of teams at different levels. Uh, And, and, you know, the schedule's never slow. Uh, Even if you think the summer months are going to be a downtime, we thought in January, the Bruins weren't going to do much uh, before they got on a run. and The Celtics weren't going to be much. They were under 500 and and here we are, we've got a team in the, uh, in the NBA Finals. It's unbelievable.
1: I, I was yeah, going to say, feel, you've feel. had hell of a, you know, a full, full slate of basketball. I mean, this is probably the first time in many, many years that, you know, you had the Friars go with this far, let alone, I mean, it's been a while since the Celtics have made it to the Finals, but you know, how are you feeling after uh, two long seasons?
2: Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's been great. You know, uh, it was my first year taking over. Uh, I took over last July when Yanni Karakis left town and uh, it was, you know, d- dove, dove head, you know, head first into high school football and Patriots too. So uh, it's really been a, a, a year of growth, you know, in my first year in this role professionally, uh, personally as well. And uh, hopefully I've done a, a, a good job for our audience and uh, we'll continue to grow and learn, but. Really looking forward to this opportunity to be able to cover an NBA Finals.
0: So you're a Philly native, Quinnipiac alum, uh, kind of hopped around a bunch of different geographical places. How'd you get to Rhode Island? And were you surprised that you're like, oh, Rhode Island, I get to cover all these big market Boston teams and things like that?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting. I actually vacationed up here with my family a couple of times when I was young, elementary school, middle school, um, sort of before baseball and basketball got hot and heavy. Um, in the AAU circuit sort of like late middle school high school age so I had been familiar with Newport and Rhode Island before um, you know we're still on the east coast and uh, Boston is one of the closest cities to Philly outside of New York and DC so uh, you know I, I hated Tom Brady growing up we lost to, to the Pats in the Super Bowl and the Giants won two Super Bowls in the NFC East and you know all during my childhood, late 90s, early 2000s. I heard my dad talk about the great Cowboys teams of of the late 80s and early 90s. So, uh, you know, I had been familiar with this area and the success Uh, and then going to Quinnipiac in Connecticut, you know, I I was up here a number of times whether it was covering Quinnipiac soccer game against URI or baseball, or I actually had a, a high school teammate come up here and pitch for URI for a few years. So was definitely familiar with the spot. And it was definitely a targeted goal to be able to get here for my second jump. Uh, Like you mentioned, after I was in college in Connecticut, I jumped out to Wisconsin for a hot minute. I was there for a year, uh, an hour from Green Bay. So got to cover the Packers, uh, got to cover the Wisconsin Badgers and uh, their run to the Big Ten championship in 2017. So, uh, you know, right when I was sort of looking for that next step, I knew that Providence was such a great market. And you know, maybe I'm biased and, and I'm sure you guys would agree, but I think Providence is one of the best sort of like, you know, second tier markets in the country. You know, they're, we're on the cusp of being a huge market, but you get to cover sports at all three levels. Um, I mean, in my time here now, it's an NBA finals. I was in St. Louis for a Stanley Cup final, got to cover the Red Sox World Series in 18 and the Patriots Super Bowl in in February of 19. That's the pro sports, college sports. We just got off a great run going to the Sweet 16 with PC. Uh, PC hockey went to the Frozen Four a few years back. And then in the high school and and local ranks, we've had two teams go to Williamsport in the last few years. Um, And and I had the opportunity to go there once. So it's really it's, uh, you know, I was introduced to the championship culture really quickly here. And uh, it's continued. now. I'm going on my fifth year starting next week.
0: You forgot a, uh, well, congratulations first, but you forgot a key uh, Division One player that made the team. tournament this year. And that's, <laughs> that's a team right. that everybody doubted. And there was one news guy that showed up uh, in the dark days, and that was you. So exactly. yep. thank you for your support of Bryant Bulldogs basketball.
2: Hey, I, I tell that story all the time. It's January 4th, 2020. The Patriots are obviously hosting the Titans in the wild card round of the of the NFL playoffs. And that afternoon, I believe it was like a, or a 4.30 tip Uh, Jared Grasso in his first year is hosting central Connecticut state in front of about five people Uh, and I was one of those and Jake was one of those Um, and yeah I, I knew you know obviously Jared being a Quinnipiac grad and me being a Quinnipiac grad I had known you know Jared through you know through some people and then I also covered Quinnipiac heavily when he was the associate head coach at Iona. Uh, and Iona had a ton of success in the MAC, so I had followed Jared for four or five years before I got here. And everyone, when they when they when I came in, was like, "Oh, Brian's coming off a three and twenty-eight season. They got wooden bleachers. The chases run down. Blah, you know, yada yada yada." I was like, "No, Jared's going to turn it around pretty quickly." I didn't think he'd get to the championship game in year three. Um, you know, I thought maybe like this year was the year they were going to break through, which they did. But they really broke through last year as well. You know. It, two consecutive championship game appearances. So I knew that stock was rising. Uh, It was just going to take a little time to sort of weed out the bad players and get his type of players and his type of coaching um, in Smithfield. But yeah, I I totaled my car trying to go to a Bryant central game uh, before having to go live uh, for Patriots Titans pregame on, on WPRI 12. So luckily everything, you know, uh, other than the car is, is safe and sound and no one got hurt. And it was a freak little, freak little accident. But um, yeah, that's my, that's my Bryant basketball story being there in the dark times.
1: Well, he's a real one. He's a real one. We got the stamp of approval. And uh, in a couple of years, it'll be that nice new uh, stadium right on campus. And uh, it'll be sold out every night. We're, we show, with hopefully multiple uh, tournament appearances, not just the one. This was no yeah. So, obviously we know your work and many of our listeners do, but the ones outside of Rhode Island, as well as the ones who don't really understand how a newsroom works, what does a sports director actually do?
2: Yeah, I I wear a lot of different hats, Will, is how I would describe it. Um, You know, in a market like this, I'm obviously the lead anchor, so I'm on five nights a week. Uh, But then I'm also, you know, responsible for producing. Uh, So I'll come in and Um, you know, I have a blank slate of, you know, about three minutes at the six o'clock news, three and a half, four minutes, you know, for our late shows. And, um, it's a blank canvas. When I come in, I have to, you know, produce everything, write everything, cut all the video. You know, obviously I have help from great teammates right now in my department, JP Smallins, Taylor Begley, and Sam Knox, um, that, that, that help that shoot games that shoot packages. But, uh, for the most part, all creative Liberty is up to me, uh, to sort of lead the group. And um, that's sort of a daily look at, you know, our local sports cast, but we also do so many, you know, special programming shows. And you mentioned the PC hoops with coach Cooley. That's a half hour every week. Uh, In the fall, we do two half hour Patriot shows every week and we do a half hour high school football show. So my Fridays in the fall are a lot, um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because, you know, you come in at 9am, you're producing the Patriot show. We tape a patch show friday afternoons it gets sent out to five different markets around the region and then you know you quickly flip the page and you're doing high school football you know from seven to twelve um and then on sundays we've got game day we've got pats football and then we've got a half hour patriots rap show that we that we air at 10 30 uh on fox providence on sunday night so um you know there's a lot of different things you're also you know uh responsible for like submitting credentials and all the managerial stuff behind the scenes. So it's definitely a big step up uh, from where I was before, but I I do like the fact that when I got to Providence, I spent almost two years as the number three. So grinded from the, from the bottom, uh, learned from Ruthie and Yanni at the time. then Ruthie went to Miami. I went up to the number two was there for about two years and now I'm the sports director. So I feel like I know the organization. I know the newsroom well, as opposed to sort of being a transplant and coming just coming right in as a sports director and not really understanding the other roles and responsibilities of the people that are below me. Because I, I tell my guys all the time, I say, you know I'll never ask you to do something that A, I've never done before, because I've been in those roles or B, I don't do now. And that's sort of the way that I go about it. I, you know, I think I'm, I feel like I'm a coach. Um, you know, as a sports director, that's sort of how I approach it. Um, you know, we, we work hard, but, you know, we have a lot of fun and we get rewarded and um, we, we try to do the best job we can every day.
0: Yeah. it's really cool. Um, cool to see that progression. And especially in this market, you know, the, you know, you get that recognition uh, of people coming up to you, you know, giving you a fist bump at a PC game or something like that. Um, cool to see. So a big part of your role is covering the Boston Celtics. Um what a turnaround they had this year! As we get into the NBA Finals preview here, they had a real disappointing start. Uh, new coach, some roster turnover, and everybody's kind of just accepting their fate. Is all right, you know this. This is a rebuilding here. They'll try to get their ever, you know, try to get their team together basically. Um, and next thing you know, you blink, and June second, they'll be in an NBA Finals game. Um, What changed for them? Like what, what makes this team different than they were in December and January and how'd they get to the NBA finals here?
2: I think it boils down to two words and that's Ime Udoka. Um, I think what he's done has been tremendous. I think he, he deserved to be one of the coaches of the year. You know, he was obviously close there, um, you know, and, and in the running for it, but he, 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 he somehow got this team to believe. He got this team to believe in who they are. He got this team to believe in, in, in what they represent. And he got this team to believe in the fact that you wear Boston Celtics across your jersey every night. And, and, and you have to take some pride in that. Um, and, and, you know, when things aren't going well in basketball, you have to lock in on the defensive end. That's where it starts. And that's what happened. Jason Tatum has grown tremendously in a lot of areas this year. Defensively, I think, is one of you know, his strong points now to his game. Um, You know, obviously his playmaking ability and his passing and uh, the way he reads defenses has grown, Um, you know, Jalen Brown as well. But, you know, it started with, you know, Marcus Smart on the defensive end, the the defensive player of the year. It helps when you have a guy, you know, like that uh, on that side of the ball. And then they have just good trusty vets and whether it's like a Daniel Tice or an Al Horford, just guys that have been around us a long time and said, hey, we've got so much of the season left okay, it's January and we're a few games under 500, but if we can just get to like the four, the five seed, you know, we'll have a chance. Um, Nobody expected them to jump all the way to two, um, but the way things fell out and Milwaukee didn't play hard the last night of the season, bang, they're the number two seed and they rode that momentum. I don't believe that they'd be in this spot now if they didn't win that last game of the season when Milwaukee was trying to avoid the Nets. Um, and, it, and it starts with Ime Udoka. So he did it in January. He kept that momentum, and then he kept it to the end of the season, and said, "No, that's not our identity." Because these guys hadn't won anything. No one's been to the NBA Finals. So why do you think you should have to not play the Nets in the first round? Why are you avoiding teams? You're not that good. You're not. You're not LeBron when you know LeBron sits out a little bit to get rest for the playoffs because he's been there and won it before. You you have to go and you have to earn your stripes. And and it started with the head coach.
1: Absolutely. And you made a few points into that one, but uh, one that kind of came up, you were mentioning in January how they were just a couple games under 500. We're both Knicks fans. And uh, I remember the game in January where obviously R.J. Barrett hit the three over Jason Tatum. That was kind of like the turning point of the Celtics propelling into this spot now. Um, You know, they weren't doing too well. They obviously lost to the Knicks, which you know the Knicks. Yeah, it's not it's not fun being a Knicks fan these time of days. But that was uh, obviously a great game in itself. But what other factors do you, have you seen besides the defense or the coach that has put them to put them into this spot?
2: Yeah, it's the buy-in on the offensive floor is is one B. It's passing up the first shot on the offensive end to to get the next great shot. Um, and we see that's even when they've struggled in the playoffs. Now it's it's still true. It's Look at the end of the game in game seven. You know, that's what everyone's talking about right now. But when Marcus Smart jacks up those threes early in the shot clock or off the first pass or Jason Tatum, you know, has, has, you know, one of his off games in the Bucks series, I forget which game it was, jacking up like twenty threes, threes and, and you know, I think that was the game Grant Williams went off. But, um, you know, when, when that happens and they don't share the basketball, they, they start to get in trouble. They get stagnant on the offensive end. Um, they don't grab offensive rebounds and then it carries over to the defensive end, and they end up, you know, most of the time losing. So, um, you know, I think it's on, on the offensive end, they, they share and they got to trust in their teammates and they are so interchangeable. Um, you know, multiple guys can guard multiple spots and also play multiple spots on the offensive end. And, uh, I, I think that's definitely what it is. It starts with their leader in Jason Tatum. I mean, all NBA guy at 24 years old, you know, most of the season he was 23. You know, this dude is special, and uh, I think still the, the best is yet to come, and we'll see what happens with this final series because he really has a chance. If he can win one at 24, he's going to have a chance to win, you know, maybe three or four more.
0: You mentioned Udoka as well, and this is a guy that – But I, I suppose the reviews were sort of mixed when he came in, right? It was – it's an unproven guy – well, not maybe unproven necessarily, but, you know, no head coaching experience uh, at the NBA level. You know, is he ready for this? Uh, played with Tim Duncan, played for the Nigerian national team, all this stuff. So what, what has been the biggest lift that he's given this team? Is it the X's and O's? Is it the sort of motivation? What, as you understand it, does Ime Udoka do really well?
2: Yeah, we, we see it in the press conferences even yesterday. I think Jake, it's his even keel nature. NBA seasons and professional sports seasons are so long and so grueling and there is so much travel and so many demands that regardless of a bad first two months or a great first two months, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. And I know it's a little bit cliche and I know a lot of sports coaches talk about that, but when I'm listening to Ime yesterday talk about you know the team before they travel out to the Bay Area, it's not that he seems sad. It's just like he's just having a regular conversation like there's no emotion in it because you can't get too high when you start well because adrenaline can't last you the whole season and and you can't get too low or else the Celtics would never have picked themselves up off the mat like they did in January so i think that consistent daily approach um is his greatest trait and and i think you know uh it starts with him and then you know you have some help from Brad Stevens who's been there before uh Wit is a longtime owner uh, and has had a lot of success and, um, he's got a good coaching staff as well. So, uh, and you got trusty veterans as well in in the locker room. So, uh, I think with Ime Udoka, it's, it's that even keel nature. It's, it's, we're going to attack every day and we are going to forget what happened the day prior. And, um, you know, you know, I strive to be like that every day because, you know, a a quote, you know, I, you know, I live by is you're never as good as your best days. You're never as bad as your worst. You're, you're somewhere right in the middle every, right. You get off a good broadcast, you're feeling yourself, you think you're good, boom, next broadcast, you sort of lighten up, you thought you were good and, and it wasn't great. So this, you know, the Celtics are somewhere sort of right in the middle and I think that's right where Ime Doka lands all the time.
1: I love how the narrative changed where, you know, when they hired Udoka, not many people, I mean, people recognized the name, but no one said anything. But now he's in the finals and it goes, Well, the Cavs, the Pacers, and the Kings were all heavily considering him, but you know, the Celtics were the ones that got away with it. And it's it, it's just funny. But I mean, this is obviously a rookie coach. Last time we saw a rookie coach in the finals and win, it was against the Warriors as well. It was Nick Nurse and the Raptors. Uh, you know, what are the biggest challenges the Celtics will see when going up against this Warriors team in your perspective?
2: Yeah, obviously we talk about the three-point shot a lot with the Warriors, and 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 you know they step in two, three feet into half court, and and they're they're within range. Um, you know we've watched it now for close to a decade. I think what the Celtics need to worry about is what comes off of the threes, what comes off of the action, you know, outside of the arc. It's the back screens, it's the movement without the ball, it's the cutting. That's where I think potentially the speed and the finesse of the Warriors can get through the Celtics. The Celtics are a physical team. They're longer, they are tougher, they are stronger. The last two teams they've played match the Celtics um, roster in in the Heat and the Bucks. The Warriors are a little bit different, but if the Celtics can impose their will and they can cut off those lanes and they can get bodies, you know, in front of screeners and, and, and on top of screeners and Um, in the middle of the lane so that guys can't maneuver I think that's where they can find success but um, you know the action that comes off the three-point shot is going to be very tough and Ime Udoka talked about it his staff's going to be up late at night right up until game one um, you know reviewing tape and and doing everything they can to try to uh, counter you know the the action that the Warriors get so hard to stay down on your feet when you see a shot fake because you know, the Warriors may get 40% from three. You've got to contest it hard. But if you contest it super hard to get out of position, then, then the defensive breakdown begins.
0: This was a super interesting regular season too, Maury, because the, I mean, their matchups were very drastically different. You have a four-point win that the Warriors had to squeak out in 2021. And then when the Celtics are starting to, get a little wind in their sails. They manhandle them. I think it's one ten to 88 was the score. So I don't know if you've had the chance to, to sort of look at those. Um, but what, I mean, was it just a matter of the team being different, you know, different stages of the, of the season for them, or was there, you know, something different at play in those two matchups in the regular season?
2: Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, I've looked back at them a little bit the last few days. And, and I think a lot of it is just the Celtics this year have struggled in close games. Not sure why. Um, but when they get out to a big lead or, or when they at least gain some traction first, second quarter, you know, they don't necessarily need to have a huge lead then, but just the confidence builds um, and they're able to put teams away. And, and, and when they, one thing the Celtics have done well this year is when they smell blood, they've put teams away. Um, and I know, you know, people can point back to game seven and, you know, the Heat had a chance to take the lead with under 20 seconds after the Celtics had a double digit lead late, but, they still got the job done and they still won. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, you'd rather win, you know, win ugly than lose pretty as the saying goes. So I think this team has done a good job of, um, when they, when they can win a game, when they feel like they can win a game, they, they do go and win those games when the games are more in the balance, uh, they, they've struggled. I don't have, the, let me see, I can see if I have the numbers right in front of me here. Um, from yesterday, I was looking up a bunch of stats and numbers. Uh, yeah, so so Celtics are seven and seventeen when a game is decided by five or less. Wow, and fifty fifty six and twenty when it's two or more possessions. So um, that sort of speaks to the, those two games against the Warriors this year.
1: This game is putting my head in a pickle because I responsibly and respectively picked each each one of these teams to win their conference, but from your perspective, without the bias aside, what kind of prediction are you looking like for this uh, series? And, you know, can the Celtics overcome this team of destiny and dynasty? I mean, this is what their sixth final? No. How many since 2015? I can't do the math off my head. Oh,
2: I believe it's six. I think that's six. Yeah.
1: Sixth appearances. So Huh. It's, uh, it's kind of like the David versus us to Goliath. No one saw the Celtics being here, but what predictions do you have from your, uh, from your side?
2: I think it's going to be a really good series. I don't see it being as lopsided as the Heat series was. You know, it, it goes seven and, and it was 3-3 three, three going into that last game, but the games itself during the series mm-hmm. weren't necessarily the most competitive. I think we're going to see a series like we saw with the Celtics and Nets in the first round Uh, not by the final score of the series, but in the way that every game was played. It was 18 points that separated four games that the Celtics happened to be on the winning end of. Um, So the Celtics average margin of victory, quick math is four and a half points. You look at this series, I think the Warriors ultimately win, but I would never put money, you know, I I wouldn't bet against the Celtics um, because they've been so good on the road. Miami was 9-0 and at home in the playoffs and the Celtics beat them all three times down there. Uh, and it seems like the harder that it gets and the more pressure that it gets, the Celtics bring out their A game every time when it's needed. So I'd probably have the Warriors in six or seven. Um, and if it's in five or six, and it's a little bit more of a blowout in terms of the, the final numbers series-wise, I don't think, though, the games will be as much. I think every single game we're going to get you know a a really good game close um and it just depends who makes the plays late yeah i don't
0: know i'm with you will i i can't i really have no idea uh i thought the celtics were doomed for when they lost game six and had to go back to miami um and i boy was i wrong um there's a little bias there too i just i don't know like the i want the knicks to be in that situation so badly and it's just not gonna happen so
1: it's just so hard to look at i mean like you mentioned jason tatum's only 24 years old and obviously you have jalen brown and marcus smart's obviously a little bit older but this team is so new and young and we've watched them grow over a couple of years adding small pieces where the warriors these are the same three they've been since we were in high school right so you know, seeing them just continue their dominance, it's like this is going to be a this be a good one. But the Celtics definitely deserve to be there, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, um, cool. That's the NBA Finals. Uh, more before we let you go, we got to talk about some PC hoops real quick uh, as well. Um, they hit the portal hard again this year. Uh, Coach Cooley's been up and at it. Um, combat. Uh, I, That's it's what Rodson says. Portal combat. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that's going to be the norm for Ed Cooley going forward? Just hit the portal hard, you know, maybe invest not a lot in the freshmen and sort of, you know, that's his recruiting strategy or is
2: this just a product of the times we live in? I think it's more product of the times we live in. However, when you do have a nice run like the Friars did, a lot of, a lot of talent goes into the portal. Sure, a lot of people talk about the however many kids are left and they don't have the scholarships but there's some top end talent in the portal that a lot of teams do want and all of those kids will start to say hey i want to go to providence right like if pc gets back in the dance and they make another run and you know even if it's not a sweet 16 even if they win one game they're in the round of 32 they're close to that second weekend again and that's two consecutive years that success you can't recruit. You can't out recruit that success. And what and what I mean is all the marketing and all the the exposure that you get by winning a tournament game and being in those lights. Kids are just going to gravitate toward that. So I'm sure it was easier to recruit these guys this year coming off of a Sweet 16 run, you know, than it was convincing like an Al Durham and a Justin Maniah to come to Providence. So I think there. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think Ed Coley's still going to recruit the the high school age and the freshmen and. Um, I think now that when you have the success that he had, he can potentially take it a notch higher, you know, maybe he's in the mix, you know, he's in the mix for some four stars and maybe even some five stars um, that come out. So I think it's still going to be a a mix and match of both, but all the talent that goes into the portal, if guys are knocking on your door saying, Hey, I like your style of play. I want to be coached by Ed Cooley, the, the national coach of the year. It's hard not to listen. Right. So if you can get two or three guys every year in the portal because you're having success and they have whether it's one year left of eligibility or two or three, and you can actually you know grow with them and build the program, I don't see why why you turn a blind eye to that.
1: And it's gonna be a whole new team coming into the uh dunk next season. I mean, not many returning uh players as a whole, but Jared Biden not going to the NBA draft anymore. Do you see any players maybe getting picked up in this uh, NBA draft in a couple weeks or is it kind of just you know another guy like David Duke who gets a a, a two-way contract kind of sticks with the team
2: you're talking Friars yeah yeah I don't think anybody gets drafted um David probably had the best chance of of any Friar player in the last you know few years um you know you'd have to go back to sort of Chris Dunn uh-huh. um I'm trying to think and even Bentle with the Celtics back then too. And Bentle, yeah. exactly. Bentle had gone for back. that year. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think Duke was the best pro prospect. I think, you know, A.J. Reeves has the best ceiling. Maybe Justin Minaya has the best ceiling to to eventually maybe squeak on to an NBA roster, sign a two-way deal because of their ability to shoot the three ball and play defense. But, you know, both of those players need to be a little bit – better consistently from deep um, if they're going to be you know considered for that because you look at a max truce you look at a duncan robinson you look at these these you know hyper specific three and d guys and they knock down shots at a super super high rate and the nba line is 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 deeper um, you know obviously than the college line so you know when aj reeves is hot he looks like an nba prospect right he looks like an nba player Um, it just got to happen a little bit more consistently and, and injuries have sort of, you know, plagued him, but, um, you know, there, there aren't two nicer, um, kids than Justin and I, and, and AJ Reeves. So if a team does want to take a chance on, on either of them, uh, same with Al Durham as well. Um, Is
0: there a world where Nate Watson goes? Drafted?
1: Yes. Or did not even drafted or just, you know, in the league.
2: Yeah, I guess in the league. Yeah. You, you you never know. You know, you never want to count guys out, you know, guys go overseas and play for four, five, six, seven, eight years, and then eventually come back and, and get it and get a contract. You look at a Brad Wanamaker comes to mind for the Celtics played for a few years. And then he bounced around. He was on the Warriors, I believe was Pacers for a little bit. Um, and he played, I think it was almost 10 years overseas. Now he was playing for some of the top, top teams, sort of the, the later part of his overseas career. Um, but I think if Nate goes overseas and he continues to make that jump shot, maybe slims down a little bit, um, doesn't need to add too much handle to his game because I don't think he'd ever be asked to to handle the ball and bring it up the floor. But, you know, if there's a long rebound and you're out in space, sort of like what Bam Adebayo does occasionally, can you, can you, can you, can you lead a three on two fast break, be under control and then make a good play off of that? I think if he can do that, if he can add to his jump shot and he can expand it a little bit, you know, I think he could have a chance. But it all depends on the success that you have overseas. And then it all depends on your situation. That's that's another big thing that a lot of people don't talk about. You can be overseas and you can be a star. You can be in a top league making good money. All expenses paid for for your family. You're traveling the world. You're seeing great places. Your jerseys are in stores. Do you want to come back and be the 15th man for the fill in the blank, Milwaukee Bucks or Minnesota Timberwolves, and it's freezing cold the whole season and you're far away from your family. Like you could do the same thing overseas, except be the star on a team. Now, a lot of guys want to chase that dream of saying, Hey, I played in the NBA. I checked into an NBA game. I totally, totally get that. Um, And that's why a lot of guys ultimately, if they do have the chance, they come back to be one of those fringe players on a roster. But um, you know, you know, you never know, Um, you know, you know, hopefully one of those guys gets a crack. We could see a few of them potentially play in the G League, um, go the route that Jeff Doughton did from URI, you know, play in the G League, put up gaudy numbers, and have a chance to, you know, come up to a team. It was, you know, I think he played played a little bit for the Warriors this year, checked into a few games, and then the Magic was is a better situation. You always want, if if you are one of these guys, like Watson and Durham and Reeves and Mania, you want to find a team that is not tanking, but – but nowhere near the playoffs. They're more willing to give some of those fringe guys an opportunity. And, and then if, you know, if they do, who knows, you know, you play well in 10 games, you earn a second 10 day contract. and Then you earn a contract for the rest of the year. And then if you play in the NBA for half a season, there's going to be teams that'll give you a chance. So it's all about getting that first opportunity if they want it. And then going from there. That's why I'm manifesting Peter Kiss to the Knicks. He's a (laughs) scoring that the garden needs. (laughs) <laughs> the, whole, the, the hometown Knicks well yeah one thing for Peter you know I think he's got the skill and ability he's just gotta gotta watch himself personally um that stuff doesn't fly uh in the league in the next level and I've known Peter for quite a while we actually went to college together uh believe it or not he was a true freshman my senior year I was gonna
1: tell you Quinipiac. I was one of um, the one of the stops along the way so yeah
2: That was, that was one of them. So I I think, and you got to have the confidence. So he's got the confidence, but it can't go from confidence to that other C word, the cockiness. I I think there's that fine line right there, but you know, who knows? He's got the athleticism. He's got the talent, probably has to shoot it a little bit better from deep. Didn't necessarily do that great this year, Um, but man, oh man, he's got, got the pogo stick athleticism to be able to play with anyone in the league.
1: Hammer on the nail right there. Perfect. Well, Maury, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Before we let you go, you can do one or a couple best eats and drinks in Rhode Island. Say that one more time. Best eats and drinks in Rhode Island. Your favorites.
2: Eats and drinks. Oof, there's a lot. Um, we're in a really good spot. Eats, I would say I'll take the easier way out and go anywhere on Federal Hill. Camille's is my favorite. I've only been there once. And that <laughs> was for like a super special occasion, but I think the whole experience you get there, the dining experience, the food quality, the service is just top notch. And then I think for drinks, I mean, there are so many good local breweries, um, man. Um, I think Bayberry beer garden's good. Um, the place up in Pawtucket, I'm forgetting the name.
0: It doesn't really rule too much out in Pawtucket.
2: Uh, (laughs) I I know there's one good spot though i'm forgetting
1: foolproof Um, uh crooked current smug
2: guild the guild guild is solid
0: oh damn we're we're not
2: we're anti-guild people (laughs) you guys are anti-guild okay um
0: we'll give you a free pass
2: really honestly really anywhere with a with a with a tv i i prefer to go to a sports bar and if there's anything local on tap i'll grab that um but yeah, I know you guys, are, you guys are the IPA connoisseurs. I'm, uh, I'm not too, too big on, on IPAs. Um, sort of more, more like whiskey and bourbon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can always enjoy a, a good IPA every once in a while.
1: You'll have to head down to uh, Newport Craft if you haven't. Um, they have a really good uh, spirit selection as well. Their whiskey is, uh, we had Brendan, who's the CEO of their brand down there. And uh, they have great whiskey, if you like that as well. Very good. Yeah, perfect. I'll,
2: I'll, I'll have to do that for sure. Uh, and you guys got to give me other couple places for uh, for a good IPA. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. When they, uh, when the Celtics win the finals, we'll, we'll we'll all go out and grab a beer at Long Live.
2: All right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Long Live. Another good place. Sometimes when I'm on the spot, I don't know, I sort <laughs> of forget a few of them. But yeah, I've I've been to probably three or four or five. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Long lives our favorite spot.
0: That's the, that is the spot. Um, so we'll, we'll all go. Let's uh, let's hope for an entertaining NBA finals. Maury Hirsch Gordon, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Maury, thanks so much for joining us here. Where can everybody find you uh, maybe on social media and how can they engage with the content that you guys are putting out at WPRI?
2: Yeah, you got it. Uh, so it's our website, WPRI.com. Um, you know, we've got three, four, five, six new pieces of content daily, you know, on, on all three levels. And then on Twitter as well, my handle is mHirschGordon. Uh, you can find our, our other teammates as well on Twitter, you know, Taylor Begley, Sam Knox, J.P. Smallins, like I mentioned earlier. And then every night, you know, four, five, six o'clock, we've got stuff in, in those shows on, on WPRI 12 and uh, 10, 10, 30, and 11. We're on Fox Providence and, and Channel 12 as well. So uh, that spans Rhode Island. It spans Southeastern Mass. Um, and I also want to give a, a quick shout out to you guys as well for having me on and uh appreciate the time we'll have to do it again sort of when college basketball season kicks up uh because the Bryant bulldog is going to have a chance to win the america east i think 100%. 100%. that's the, that's the right answer Well, wow. we us,
0: uh, 40 minutes into this for you to give us the best uh, line that anyone said on this podcast
2: well we'll, fin- we'll finish
0: on top there how about that
1: <laughs> perfect awesome well Mori, have a good round of golf and uh good luck this finals and we'll talk to you soon appreciate it guys thanks for having me on and that was just Maury Hirsch Gordon, WPRI, sports director. Um, his interview was brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com house for 20% off plus free international shipping. Uh, Lawnmower, 4, Lawnmower 4.0 is one of our favorite products. We hope you get your hands on yours. You can get it at your doors in a couple of just short days. If You go to manscaped.com house for 20% off and free shipping. But yeah, Maury. Um, one of the prominent news figures in Rhode Island so we appreciate the time he's always great chatting it up at PC games and uh we hope for his case he can head over to the uh you know the garden for some uh NBA coverage in this finals but great work all around and great chatting it up and chatting hoots with uh Maury
0: yeah good dude uh that OG Bryant believer
1: OG Bryant believer
0: they were three and 28 the year before, and he was the only one, the only news guy that showed up that one day, and everyone, his boss, Yanni, is like, why are you going to Bryant? He's like, because they're going to be good. Man. They're going to be good. He was right. I mean, it's kind of crazy, though, with, like, the, the connection of
1: Grasso and Peter Kiss, so it's like. Is <laughs> that nuts he went to school with Peter Kiss? <laughs> yeah, you know, when he said that, I literally, like, had to pause, because it's like, I knew Peter Kiss went to Quinnipiac, but it also wasn't, like, that was seven years ago.
0: that's what like maury and i would text he'd be he was uh last year i think he, it was something maury's like dude kiss is coming back he's my he's literally like a couple years younger than me
1: i'm a couple
0: years older than us
1: yeah i still don't think he's out of the picture
0: i think he's done i'm not closing that door yet uh, until i hear his name called on the draft i suppose you're right but because even then even then it's like oh you know the g league wants him he didn't get drafted in the top 60 does you know does he want to do that I, yeah. I think he can have a nice pro career that's the thing so i think so too i really do somewhere like i said he's a g league he could be a g league lifer maybe sign a two-way like david Duke did. yeah that's okay. If that's his ceiling, I'm cool with that. He's a Bryant professional guy. I don't think anyone's ever done that in the U.S. So, No. That'd be cool. Probably not. No. No, I, I don't think so. No. I don't, know, I don't know who would like Joe O'Shea.
1: <laughs> I was going to
0: say a name, but never mind. Oh, God. Right, we'll, we'll catch up offline about that. Um <laughs> Dren <Dread-n-a-dou-shin. laughs> Oh, Dren, dude. Dren Doushia, I love that kid. No, he he has I, I love Dren, but he has no. I'm sorry. No, yeah. I'm not going to disparage him. He was a nice kid. He would he would always like roll through our house. Listen, everyone. Yeah, he was a nice dude. Doesn't he hang out with uh with like Kojo and stuff? I'm a nice dude. I ain't going to the NBA.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> nice has nothing to do with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're also not seven two though. Just a, no, a, no. Yeah, he was he uh he had I think six total minutes of play at Bryant six more minutes than you or i had that's true so that's true that's our show um that's episode 89 we'll be back next week uh you're hitting the road again you're going to bermuda
1: going to bermuda
0: thoughts uh what are you looking for from this from this excursion
1: just relaxing just relaxing absolutely nothing
0: you need those yep that's that's our episode um and we'll be back next week that's will and i'm jake so long folks take it easy